So good, so good. Guys, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in a, in a few places, uh, but two primary passages. Primarily, we're going to be in Acts chapter 14 and in Hebrews chapter 2. So Acts chapter 14, Hebrews chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible, if you didn't bring one, that's cool. There's one in the pew in front of you. You can use your phone, that's fine. Um, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 14, Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, those will be our primary texts. As we continue, our study lies, we believe, and the truth that sets us free. And if you're joining us for the first time this morning during the study, or if you're watching at home for the first time uh, this morning, we want to... Uh, let you know what this is all about. And it's really all about spiritual warfare. The Bible teaches that there's a battle being waged for our minds, that the, the enemy, uh, our enemy, the devil, is raising up arguments against the knowledge of God's Word. And, and what happens when he raises up these arguments, these lies, when we believe them, um, they lead to a really destructive cycle in our life called a stronghold. You see, when we have a wrong belief, we begin to think the wrong thoughts. It changes the way that we feel. And suddenly we start to feel the wrong way about ourselves and about God. Not only does it change the way that we feel about ourselves and the way that we feel about God, but that wrong thing that we believe also changes the way that we behave. And, and the wrong way that we feel and the wrong way that we act then further reinforces the lie that we've already believed. And that becomes a cycle called a stronghold. And the Bible says that's the enemy's goal is to put us in bondage to these strongholds. However... The good news is that one has come who has the power to break every chain that binds. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, if you remain in my words, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so uh, the whole aim of the series is to take these lies that we've bought into at one time or another and to destroy them with the truth of God's word, to break them. And that is our hope. That's our prayer this morning. So join me in a word of prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit now to come meet us, to be our teacher, and to be our guide. Um, Father God, we are so grateful to you. And Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for that song that we just sang. Um, we could sit here all day and just think about how great your love for us is. How vast it is beyond all measure. That we were the ones in the crowd that were mocking that we are the scoffers, and yet you died for us while we were still sinners. This is, this is the glory of the gospel. And so, God, we just, we, we just want to sit in that a little bit this morning. And we don't want to come this morning acting, put on some kind of facade like we've got it all together, Lord. We're a mess. Father, our, our homes are a mess. Our marriages are a mess. Our parenting skills, that's a mess. Our kids are a mess. Lord, we, we don't gather as um, a bunch of people that... that just cry out, hey, I'm a saint, I've got everything together, but we come recognizing that the only thing that makes us a saint is the, your perfect blood that was shed for us. We are sinners. And as such, we, we were married to sinners, our kids are sinners. And so we, we come before you as sinners um, saying, God, we, we, we just want to be held in your righteous hand and we want you just to speak truth over us this morning. We know that your word gives life. That, that you bring life out of nothing. That you take dry bones and you raise them up. That you, you, you take uh, dirt and, and, and you make it a, a living being. And, and so, God, we just come before you saying, that's how some of us feel this morning. Some of us feel a little dry. Some of us feel like we're just bones walking around in this thing called life. And so, God, we just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would say, dry bones, get up and walk and live and breathe. And, and so, um, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do that through your word? Holy Spirit, we want to invite you in now to come and be our teacher and be our guide. 
We recognize that you are the teacher of this church. We pray that you would open up the word of God to our hearts, that it might change us from the inside out. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ, holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. So what is our lie this morning? Ready? Here it is. I shouldn't have to suffer. Right? Man, I, I shouldn't have to suffer. That, that, that's the lie this morning. And this is a lie that says that all, all pain and all, all suffering is, is bad, right? That if we follow Jesus, if we believe in Him, we should be living a, a blessed life. A life that is, is, is of, uh, made up of nothing but unending peace and joy and prosperity, right? Man, if we just follow Jesus, we should have peace and joy and prosperity. We wouldn't, shouldn't have to go through anything that's difficult. And on the surface, this lie seems to be true at times because of the gospel that we've had preached to us here in America. Right? The gospel that we've had preached to us that says like, Listen, man, I know that your life is a wreck, but if you'll just stop everything you're doing and you'll just give yourself to Jesus, if you'll just believe in Him, man, everything will be better. You've heard that, haven't you? everything's going to be better. And when, when we hear that gospel, when we receive it, what we hear is that, man, if I'll just come to Jesus, life is going to get easier for me. The problem is we don't find that declaration in the pages of Scripture, right? Now, one time does Jesus say, come to me, and I'm going to make life easy. It's not in there. See, that false gospel is called the prosperity gospel. And it treats the spiritual things of God as if they're material things, right? So when you think about Galatians 5, when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it says if you walk in the Spirit, your life will be marked by love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It'll take the spiritual things of God and try to manifest them, try to say that they are supposed to be physical things. So the prosperity gospel would take Galatians 5 and preach it a little bit like this. If you believe in Jesus, and if you have enough faith, then you will find a partner. You'll get paid. You'll get a palace, and then you'll be at peace. And when we say it that way, man, that sounds crazy. When we call it out for what it is, we go, no, man, that's a lie. But the truth is, as believers in Jesus, we have all at one time or another been upset with God because of hardship in our life. It, that, 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 that being angry at God for hardship in our life shows the depth of the depravity of our heart that we have bought into this lie. And we truly believe that if we're doing things right, right? This is what we say, God, if I'm doing it right, why is it so hard? See, we do believe this lie that following Jesus, life is just supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be full of peace and joy and prosperity. So, what do we do? What do we do? How do we stop freaking out and throwing fits at God every time life gets tough? I'll tell you, um, it starts with an understanding that we've believed another lie, right? And, and that lie is, is just the wrong belief that Jesus uh, and following, following Jesus, life in Jesus should always be e easy, Right? See, because when we believe that following Jesus should always be easy, every time that life is not easy, we get angry. Anytime we suffer, we somehow feel wronged or let down by God. And, and, and so what we have to do this morning is come around the truth of God's Word and say, okay, God, what does your Word say about this thing called suffering? Because clearly I've got it wrong, right? 
Clearly, I've got it wrong. When, when life is, is rough for me, I get angry at you. That cannot be the way I was created to be. And so what does it really look like? And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to read both of our passages here this morning. Uh, start in Acts 14, and then we'll skip over uh, to Hebrews. And so I'm in Acts 14, uh, just two verses here. Acts 14, 21 and 22. Acts 14, verse 21 and 22. And I, I, I'll just set this up as you turn there. With, with this, um, Paul has just been stoned on the, his first missionary journey. He's proclaiming the word of God. He's followed by some people uh, that are trying to say like, hey, that's not the truth. They're Judaizers. These are Jewish people. So they're trying to disprove Paul because when the gospel goes forth, man, people are saved. And, and, and God just does this amazing stuff through the ministry of Paul. So these people come and, and Paul heals somebody in Jesus' name. And they try to sacrifice to him. He says, man, no, don't sacrifice to us. Then these people come and they convince the crowd, uh, basically, that, that Paul needs to be stoned to death. So they take him outside the city. They stone him and they leave him in the trash heap thinking he's dead. The disciples come around and lay hands on him. He gets back up and uh, he goes back into the city. Then he goes on. Now, this is the part where he goes on preaching the, the gospel. And uh, Acts 14, 21 says this. It says, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, get this, it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Okay? I, I'm, I'm going to put that on the screen and I'm going to add some emphasis to it just so you see what Paul is declaring. Ready? Acts 14.22 It is necessary to go through many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. Right? That, that, if you, in your Bible, I mean you can do it in the Pew Bible. I'm not going to get mad at you, but somebody later might. Um, but if you're in your Bible, you might want to circle that word necessary. You ever seen that before? To enter the kingdom of God, it's necessary that you go through what? They go through hardships. That word in, in, in Greek means pressing or, or pressure. It comes from a root word that talks about what you do with, with grapes when you put them in the wine press. It, it, I mean, it's, it's like a crushing kind of thing. Right? And some of you this morning, you're here, and that's kind of how you feel. Like you woke up this morning, you've been in a season where you just feel like everything in life is pressing up against you. It's a little bit hard to breathe. It's hard to function. Maybe that pressing is coming in the area of finances. Maybe it's coming in the area of relationship. Maybe it's coming in the area of your, your parenting. I, but but you, just, you feel this immense pressure in life. That pressing. And Paul's going to say, hey, that's necessary. It's necessary, right? Now let's look at our, our second... Uh, passage. Hebrews chapter 2. It's a little longer. Read about 18 verses together. Um, Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, I'm starting in verse 10 and we're going to read all the way down through 18 because they're connected. Starting in verse 10 it says, for in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Now, now remember the language of what we just read. It's necessary to go through hardship. Right, think about the language that we find here again. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It was entirely appropriate that God would make the source of our salvation, a.k.a. Jesus, perfect through what? Sufferings. Entirely appropriate, God says. 
For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust in Him. And again, here I am with children God gave me. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through His death He might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. And, and in doing so, free those who were held in slavery all of their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest and manners pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. It's entirely appropriate, the author of Hebrews said, that God made Jesus perfect through suffering. So you see, suffering, my friends, cannot simply be a bad thing, for the best thing that ever happened to us happened through suffering. So what we have to do then, if suffering is not always a bad thing, if the best thing that ever happened to us, Jesus, happened through suffering, we need to get a right biblical view of suffering. And I hope that's what we're going to do this morning. So three things I'll share with you very quickly. Here's the first, okay? This morning I want you to know that suffering is necessary for our spiritual growth and maturity. The Bible teaches us that suffering is actually necessary for our spiritual growth and maturity. This week in my, my study, I could not get past those words, right, of Paul. They just, they just haunted me. Acts 14.22. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God, it is necessary to suffer. Like, I just had to sit there for a while. For some of you, that's the first time you heard that verse ever, right? How many of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that verse? Be honest. Hey, yeah, you're going to spend all week just going, what does that mean? What's that mean? Like, I, I just spent all week. Like, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm doing nothing. I'm just sitting there going, what do you, what do you mean, God? What, what is that? that doesn't make sense. What do you mean it's necessary to, to get into heaven, right? To become a member, a citizen of the kingdom. It's necessary to suffer. What do you mean? And, and I just began to pray, like, God, just give me some clarity. And, and that's, that's kind of um, what God did. I feel like he just gave me some clarity. And, and what came to my mind was this. Why is it necessary for us to suffer? Because suffering leads to strength. Why is it necessary to suffer? Because suffering leads to strength. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes this. He says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction, by the way, that word affliction, you, you, could, you could think suffering there, right? Because we know that, that, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Say it again. Like, and not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering because we know that a suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. You know what that's saying? It's saying suffering helps me grow in Christ. I read this this week. He said, think about a mountain climber. You know, people that like to climb mountains, they've get, it, it costs money to climb the big mountains. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're going to climb Everest. You're going to spend a lot of money to go climb Everest. You've got to have different camps, and there's auction. You've got to pay for a guide, all this kind of stuff. The people that have that kind of money just as easily could be dropped off at the top of the summit by a helicopter. 
So why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? Why don't they just have the helicopter drop them off at the peak, take a little selfie, and be like, yep, did it. Why, why do they? You know why? Because that's not, that's not it. Right? Because you don't grow that way. Because what makes them a better person is having to suffer all that, that, that entails that, that climbing of that mountain. Like that's what, it's the experience that makes them better. That's what people pay for. They want to go through that. They want to grow. They want to be changed. See guys, we have a very warped and wrong view of what love is. And when we apply that warped and wrong view of love to God, it has disastrous consequences. And this is what I mean. We honestly think that love means to do no harm. That's what we think. And we think love means to do no harm. Therefore, when pain comes, when suffering comes, then somehow God must be angry with me. Or even worse, He's just not good at all. Because we think love means to do no harm. But guys, real love does not mean to do no harm. Real love means being willing to do short-term harm for healing or redemptive purposes. Real love is about being willing to do short-term harm for healing or redemptive purposes. Think about a physician, right? You go to the doctor's office, what is he going to do? He's going to have to re-break that arm so that he can set it right, so that it can heal, so that you can grow. Follow me? I believe God does the same thing with us. God brings brief periods of pain into our lives so that He can set things right. So that we can heal. So that we can grow. Suffering is necessary for our spiritual growth and maturity. Second thing I'd share with you this morning is this. Ready? Suffering is often necessary to help us realize the sufficiency of the grace of God. Suffering is often necessary to help us realize the sufficiency of the grace of God. Guys, we are, um, I was trying to think, I, I spent some time this week, how do I say this like in a, in a nice way? Sometimes you struggle with that. Like, how do I just say this in a nice way, Lord? I'm just going to say it, okay? We have a tendency um, to be pretty self-centered and self-sufficient creatures, Right? And we have a tendency to be pretty self-centered, self-sufficient creatures. And I think we're just raised this way. This is kind of a product of our culture. And the Bible, like we're taught to work hard, right? How many of you, your parents told you you're going to have to work hard in life? Right? Like you, you got to get, get out there, son. Get a job. You're going to have to work. Like, I mean, they just kind of ingrained in you. And the Bible echoes that, right? I mean, it says things like, like, he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Right? I mean, you, you read that kind of stuff like, okay, so working is, is important. And, and, and listen, I, I, I'm not telling you like that I don't believe in the no pain, no gain kind of mentality because I buy into it, right? When it comes to a diet or exercise, like when I want to lose weight, I look myself in the mirror, I'm going to hurt you. Like, I'm going to starve you, you know? And that's what you got. Like, you got it. Like, you some pain for the gain. It's going to happen. So, so when it comes to like diet or exercise or work, that mentality is great. But when it comes to your spiritual life, it's disastrous. Because when it comes to spiritual things, we have a tendency to apply the no pain, no gain mentality, right? That, that all I have to do is work harder mentality to the spiritual things of God. And what happens is we totally leave out that whole other side of the gospel that says God is spirit and he wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. So what we try to do is we try to approach spiritual things in the flesh, just trying to work harder so that we can be better. Therefore, God will bless us more. You following me? 
And when the gospel tracks that way, by the way, that's not the gospel, but when, when, when it tracks that way, it leads to disastrous consequences because God is spirit and He can only be worshipped in spirit and truth. And you're trying to do spiritual things in the flesh and dude, that doesn't work. It doesn't fly. And so here's what the Bible says. It actually says that we're spiritual beings or we have to become spiritual beings to enter the kingdom of God rather, right? I mean, so Jesus looks at Nicodemus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And, and is what Nicodemus asks. And Jesus says, here's what you have to do. You have to be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. And, and, and then the Bible instructs, like, you can't just be born of the Spirit. Then you have to walk in the Spirit, right? And, and so I have to, that means daily I have to surrender my flesh unto the Holy Spirit. My, my, my desires, my wants, I have to give them up. And I have to want what He wants. And so I have to let the Holy Spirit rule over me and reign over me. And it means that my life is different than what I would want. It means that I rely upon God to do things for me. And it doesn't mean I just sit around on my couch just reading my Bible all day. But walking in the Spirit, it, it intends while I go about my day, while I go to work, that I'm thinking about the things of God constantly. I'm saying, God, I want to do this, but what do you want to do? God, I, I'd like to accomplish this today, but what's on your agenda? Right? It's this walking in the Spirit thing. And, and so it's really, really, really important. Now listen, um, when we attempt to do spiritual work in the flesh... The Bible says, like, listen, something happens. Something gets done. It does, right? We all build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. We read this a few weeks ago. So Jesus is our salvation. We all build. And we build upon our salvation in either the flesh or the spirit. Okay? If you build in the spirit, it says that you're building with precious metals and precious stones. And it says those things will last the final testing and you'll be rewarded for them. But if you build in the flesh, the Bible says that you're building with hay and with straw. It's not that there's not a structure there. It's not that something doesn't get gone. It's that that stuff doesn't matter. And in the final test... Right? That stuff's going to get burned up. And you'll still be in heaven because your salvation is in Jesus, but you'll have no reward to show for it. It means that you will have wasted your life. That you will have wasted all of your time and your talent and your treasure. See, when we try to do spiritual things in our pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstrap kind of mentality of the flesh, we end up building things that won't last and that we will get no reward for. We end up wasting our life. How many of you want to do that? Anybody in? How many of you even hearing those words think, oh my gosh, I think I've been doing that. Here's what we need, ready? <laughs> what we don't need is more hard work on our part for spiritual things. What we need, ready, is more of God. What we need is, is more of, of His Spirit. And guess what? Ready? Sometimes God allows suffering to remain in our lives for that very purpose. Sometimes God allows suffering to remain in our lives so that we will get more of God. So that we will work out of His strength and not our own to work in His Spirit, not in our flesh. I'm, I'm going to ask you to turn one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 6. And you've heard this passage, but I, I just think it's important to remind ourselves of this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 6. Paul is speaking. He says, for if I want to boast. Now, by the way, the backstory is that there are people that are boasting uh, about all their gifts, about all that God has done through them. 
uh, trying to call out Paul, trying to say like, hey man, he's not all that. Listen to how great a speaker I am. Look at what I've done. You know, look at my witness. And Paul's like, dude, those guys have nothing over me. So he kind of lays, he goes, oh, they're a Jew? Let me tell you, I'm the Jew of Jews. Oh, they've gone to Bible college? Let me tell you, I, I, I built the Bible college. All right? I mean, he just begins to kind of go back and forth. So this is kind of the tail end of, of that. He says, for if I, I want to boast... I, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Paul had some visions. It says, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insult, hardship, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. See, here's what 2 Corinthians would declare. Ready? Paul's suffering was actually grace unto him. Paul's suffering was actually grace. And God allowed that suffering to remain so that Paul would not live his life in the flesh, building on the foundation of Jesus with straw and with hay but rather that Paul would be so afflicted that he would be forced to lean into the Holy Spirit and do spiritual work, and then he would be building with precious metals and with precious stones, and all of that work would remain. So the suffering was grace unto him so that his life could matter. Think about that for a second. The next time you want to shake your fist at God. God, I'm so mad that my marriage is hard work. And God is going, man, I'm telling you, brother, you can either try to fix it yourself and read some books, or you can lean into me and love the sinner I put you with and just watch what I build. I will change generations with that kind of marriage. I will take family sin that goes years back, and I will build a new house if you will lean in me. You follow me. And so I can't be angry at the suffering that God allows in my life. I have to see it as grace that forces me to rely on Him, and He is always better. He is always better. And listen, I, I didn't want to preach this message, because I know and love you. And I know that some of you have gone through great marital struggles. I know that some of you have, have terrible health issues. Like, I mean, I, I know you. And it's hard to say to people that you know and love that are in the ditch, like, hey, listen, God, this is good. Right? It's hard to say, like, like this is good. It's, it's good that you're suffering. Because you look at me and you go, no, it's not. It doesn't feel good. I'm not enjoying it. But, but I would tell you the testimony of the people of this church, and you should talk to them, those that have gone through difficult times, they've never been closer to the Lord. They've, they've never more felt the presence of God in their life than when the cancer struck, than when the diagnosis came, when, when their mental ability just, just left them, right? They, they had to lean into Jesus.
And God's building a testimony because of it. Last thing I would share with you guys is that Jesus came and suffered so that he could provide support to us in our times of need. He came and suffered so that he could provide support to us in our time of need. Um, I want you guys to go watch a skit this week. I knew I would not have time to fit in it. It's about 11 minutes. It is the best spent 11 minutes that you'll spend. Uh, you know, uh, I, I really believe it. So go to YouTube and Google a skit. It's by the skit guys, and it's called God's Chisel. It's called God's Chisel. And I wanted to show it because it, it has so many themes that tie in to the message that we're talking about. Um, it, it just deals with so much of it that, that God has to often chip away things out of our, our lives so that we can look like Him, right? so that we can be His, his masterpiece. And, the, and, it, and it deals with the pain, right? It's a painful process um, when, when, when God has, is, is forming us into His image. Like, and, and so this, this, this gets just all about that, that pain. But there's one line in it where the character who is, is submitting himself to God, he said, God, I just want to be like you. And God begins to chip away. And, and, and the guy's kind of like, no, that's, that's enough. And God's like, I'm not even done with you. Like, why, why are you backing away from me? And the guy just begins to get really emotional. And he kind of looks at God and he says, but God, you just, you just don't understand, Right? He's like, you, you don't understand. He, he almost feels like, he, I'm, I'm not deserving of this. Yeah, it hurts, but God, the end result is I'm going to look like you. And he's just saying, God, you don't, you don't understand. He says, God, I have let you down so many times. And God answers him, no, my son, you were never holding me up. I was holding you up by my victorious right hand. Now, I want to revisit the passage in Hebrews one time. And I want you to look at verse 10 and how Jesus is called to suffer. And then I want you to look at verse 18 at why he is called to suffer. Why God says this is, this is a good thing, okay? So I'm in Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 2 again. It says, For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate entirely appropriate that God for whom and through whom all things exist should make the source of their salvation perfect through suffering. So it was entirely appropriate, God says, for Jesus to suffer. Now why was it entirely appropriate? Okay, verse 18 answers it. Verse 18, for since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That phrase, he can help. It's a Greek word that means sucker, and not like you're a sucker. Uh, S-U-C-C-O-U-R is the word you would look for in English. And it ready, it means to assist and to support in times of hardship and distress. Another way to say that is Jesus suffered so that he could hold us up. That's why he suffered, so that he could hold us up. All right? So uh, here's our lie this morning. I shouldn't have to suffer, right? And here's the truth of God's word. God uses suffering to make us like Christ and to help us rely on Christ, okay? 
God uses suffering to make us like Christ and to help us rely on Christ. So um, the question then is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? And we always trust it, try to give you application. Remember, part of it, we're trying to break and the stronghold, believe the right thing, do the right thing. Um, but when it comes to suffering, man, like, there's not really a test. We tend to know when we're struggling. We tend to know when we're suffering. Like, I don't have to tell you, oh, answer this 10-question test. It's multiple choice. I'll grade it. If, if eight of the 10 are right, then you're suffering. Like, you know when you're suffering, right? And, and so here, here's what I would tell you to do application-wise. The first thing, if you're here this morning, and, and when I said, like, life is pressing in on you, and you feel like you're about to pop, like, you know it. I don't, have, I don't have to give you a test. So the very first step, if you are suffering in any area of your life, the first thing I challenge you to do is to plead with Jesus. That's where you start. Jesus, take this from me. Right? And don't just pray it once. Right? Paul prayed it three times. Because, I'm listen, I am a stiff-necked, hard-headed individual. And so I will, Lord, I'm just asking. I'm praying for this healing in this area. I need you to do this. And remember, God always answers prayer. And he's either going to say, yes, hallelujah. Well, you pleaded. You swung for the fences and God said, yes. Oh, happy dance. Woohoo! He took that thorn away. He took that. Like, that'd be awesome, right? Praise God. Come back in church next Sunday. You can do the happy dance because Jesus took the thorn away. That's, that's fine. Always answers prayer. Yes. Later. I'm not going to take that thorn away yet, Jason. <laughs> it's serving my purpose. A time is coming. There'll be a new season. Behold, I make all things new, right? Or he says no. And when he says no, he says, no, I'm not going to remove that. This is going to stay with you. And here's the deal, though. It's actually going to be a good thing. Because what you want is healing, and I'm actually going to give you something better. I'm going to give you me. You're going to get so much of me that this thing won't matter anymore. <laughs> And your life will have purpose and meaning and you will do things for the kingdom of God you could not have thought or imagined. All right? And so, so, so if you're suffering, the very first thing I would, I would tell you is, man, start with prayer, man. Plead with Jesus. Like, hey, remove it. I think that's a good place to start. Right? The second thing I would challenge you to do, if you've already done that, if the Lord has said to you graciously later or no, then the second thing you need to do is focus on the presence of Jesus, not your problem. Focus on the presence of Jesus, not your problem. Um, I, I love you, and if you, um, most of you are at least my age or older. Therefore, if you've made it halfway through life or more, and you have not yet figured out that not focusing on yourself in the midst of a trial is a good thing, then I'm going to tell you right now, it's a good thing. You need to stop looking inward at all the stuff wrong. You've got to start looking outward. And the first thing I would say to look outward is, is, is look to Jesus, right? Because he's with you. I mean, Jesus suffered. I mean, we just sang that song, that hymn. And we may sing it again here in a second, how deep the Father's love for us. Like, Jesus suffered for our sake. And, and, and he didn't just do it so that he could conquer death. He also did it so that he could hold us up. So that he could support us. So that he could be with us. So that he could say, I understand what you're going through and I am here. Come and rest in me. And so I would just tell you, man, don't focus uh, on your problem. Focus on the presence of Jesus, right? It's a big mental shift. It's a big mental shift. Lastly, um, at some point, you just have to choose to live, right? And so I, I want to challenge you to live out of the sufficiency of God's grace. 
we've had some suffering in our lives. Uh, we've had, you know, deaths that have rocked my world. We've had health issues in our home. We've had um, scares with all kinds of things you can imagine. We've had financial pressures. All this is like recent, you know, the last five years. All that stuff happens, right? And so at, at, you can either do two things. Ready? Here's the first one. Oh, I got to get down. My knees aren't what they used to be. You guys can't see me. Ready? <sighs> this is one. All right. Just stay down in the fetal position. Just give up. Right? And I love you guys. I'm not looking at you just so you don't feel convicted. But I know some of you, and even though your cars are moving, this is what you look like on the inside. Right? So you can either lay there and just make your life about the suffering, or you can get up and live. You say, how can I live when I'm suffering? You live out of the sufficiency of God's grace, and His strength is perfect in your weakness. Like, like I, I, I've been saying this, um, there's one lady in our small group, and she's kind of like, it's okay that you're not okay, has become kind of her mantra, because I've said it to her so many times. I'm like, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to wake up in the morning and have to fight for joy. It's okay to struggle through grief. It's okay that you're depressed. Like, it is okay to not be okay, but you can either lie in it, or you can get up and you can live by the grace of God. I don't know about you, but friends, I don't want to be there. I've been there before, and it stinks. Don't sit in that. Get up and live. And you say, I'm not strong enough to live. Exactly. But Jesus is. And by his strength, get up and live out of that sufficiency, out of that place. I'm telling you, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. Listen. How many of you, we're being honest, you're guilty of shaking your fist at God when life got hard? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Those hands that just went up are going to go up again, but this time they're going to go up in a season of rejoicing, saying, God, thank you for choosing to make me more like you. So stand with me now. Jacob's going to come and play. He's going to come and play that same song we just ended with, that same hymn. And we're just going to stand up and sing together. So, Ricky, it's the last song we sang. And this is going to be our response. If you feel like you need to come forward and pray, you can. But I'm just asking you to sing and rejoice in Jesus. All right? And praise His name as we sing this song together.